Thanks for listening to the Faith Radio podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. I'm Carmen LaBerge. I hope you enjoy. This is a special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. I've been walking in the woods uh, the last few days. I've been walking in the garden. I've been gardening. Uh, took a walk in the park uh, just a few days ago and overheard a man encourage a woman that he was with to slow down and take time to smell the roses, which, you know, it's a nice saying. It's also really true. So one of my grandmother's favorite hymns, um, I talk about her a lot, Robina, Ringwald Benefield, which is just a great name, isn't it? So um, one of her favorite hymns was I Come to the Garden Alone. There were a couple of hymns that she hummed almost all the time throughout my childhood. Like I just have these memories of her. She's humming when she's doing dishes or she's humming when she's canning vegetables or she's humming when she's crocheting. She's sitting in her rocker and she's humming. And there's a couple of songs that I can hear her hum. Um, One of them is The Old Rugged Cross. And then the other is, I come to the garden alone. And it's led me to spend a little time reflecting on gardens and gardening and um, the, the colors and the calm and the fruitfulness. What if we spend a little time considering the gardens in the Bible? Like, have you thought much? um, Well, you've probably thought some about the garden of Eden, right? Um, But have you thought much about the garden of Gethsemane? What about, the garden uh, of the New Jerusalem. What about, you know, the garden displayed in Revelation 22, where there's, in the middle of this garden, there's just so much life. So gardens are um, important places in Scripture, and so might be worthy of spending a little time considering today. And then these are the words of this hymn that my grandmother hummed. And so these are the words that were rolling through her mind as I was hearing the hummed tune. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear, the son of God discloses and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. He speaks and the sound of his voice is so sweet. The birds hush their singing. And the melody that he gave to me within my heart is ringing. I'd stay in the garden with him through the night around me be falling. But he bids me go through the voice of woe. His voice to me is calling. He walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. I'd encourage you to come to know the voice of the one walking in the garden, the one Um, who the women at the tomb even mistook for the gardener. What does that look like in your life today? Um, Have you walked with him today? Are you talking with him today? Can you hear him um, speaking words of joy and affection over you? Is his voice sweet 
to your ear? Do you recognize that you are a joy to his heart? And are you sharing joy with Jesus in the garden today? You are his own if you are a child of God. And I just want to affirm that today and encourage you to spend some time um, smelling the roses today, right? Uh, Take a walk in the park. um, Find a garden spot. Thank God for every flowering bush or tree you see. Those are the bouquets that God has sent you today as a sign of his affection and his love. Um, And then also consider what happened in the garden. What happened in the Garden of Eden when God would walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day? And yes, what happened in the Garden of Eden when the man and the woman took it upon themselves to do what God had said they ought not do? And what was the result of that? And what does it look like to live banished from that beautiful Garden of Eden? And then what does it look like in the Garden of Gethsemane? What's happening there? What happens when we visit the garden tomb where Jesus was laid? What happens there? Do you see resurrection? Do you know it? And do you look forward to the garden described in Revelation 22? There is life there in all seasons. What does that river look like? And what does it look like to be a tree planted in that stream of living water? Spend some time in the garden today, walking with Jesus. Walk with him and talk with him. And hear him tell you, you are his own. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. This is a special Best of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. Michael Watson is joining us now from Calvin University and the Civic Hospitality Project. Micah, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for having me, Carmen. Yeah, absolutely. So um, what is the Civic Hospitality Project and why do we need it? Well, the Civic Hospitality Project uh, is an initiative by two institutes here at Calvin University. Um, And it is in response to uh, the rising polarization that we all see and feel uh, in our country. Um, It's an attempt to create some curriculum for high school students to practice uh, Christian hospitality. Um, We think, you know, God calls us to love our neighbors. And part of that, living in a, a pluralistic society where not everyone believes what we do, means figuring out how to talk well about our convictions, holding to our convictions, but doing so in a way that uh, is respectful um, and and doesn't uh, either hit people over the head with our Bibles or leave our Bibles inside as if they're purely private. So it's really an attempt to, to help us equip us, uh, speak well about things that matter in common in politics uh, and our faith, uh, given that not all of our neighbors share our convictions. So I really um, appreciate that there's a an interest here in you know sort of reaching down into um, into high school and and even down into um, primary education. We're talking here um, at some level about the 
the restoration of civics education. We're also talking here um, about the restoration of of hospitality, like how we um, how we set a table for conversation and how we remain in that conversation without uh, growing hostile. So this is this is a, a heart conversation about like how I am um, present with another person as they are speaking, <clears throat> as they are sharing, and um, how how we move together in genuine civic conversation. So can you unpack a few of those words for us? What do you mean by civics or, um, or civic education even? And then wh- what do we mean by hospitality? Yeah, that's great. So we think about civics as a word that refers to the, the shared space that we have um, as, as a country, uh, as a state, that, that Christians and non-Christians alike have a common interest in certain things working politically. Um, and we know even you know, in Paul's letters, he's writing to believers who aren't living in, a, in Christian cities. They're living in a pluralistic society, um, and we find ourselves similarly situated. So the, the civic realm is, is the public square. Um, it's where we enter in, and we can share our concerns, and we listen to others sharing their concerns. And ultimately, we um, in inform our representatives, try and make decisions about the public good, about things that matter to all of us. Um, When it comes to hospitality, we can think of that first theologically, uh, that God in his gracious sovereignty makes room for us. Uh, He coming to, to, to earth as, you know, in Jesus so that we can someday live forever with him. Um, He makes room for us. And so we also believe we're called to extend hospitality by making room for others. Um, you know, for historically, tolerance was a word that you'd often hear that we need to learn to have tolerance for each other or to tolerate each other. And I don't want to dismiss that entirely um, compared to, you know, all out uh, polarization or war tolerance is, is, is good. But, you know, we don't really think of tolerance as a, um, a really high bar. If I say to my wife, you know, I'm going to tolerate you today, honey. Um, that's not going to win me a lot of points. So as Christians, we think we should be called to a, a higher calling. Um, and that's where we think hospitality comes in. We want to do more than just tolerate each other. We want to make room for each other while still, again, holding to our convictions, but entering into those conversations, as you said, um, that can be genuine, that aren't going to be easy, um, but can be fruitful in figuring out how we can live well together. Yeah, you bring to mind um, for me there, Romans chapter 12, those verses where, you know, Paul's like, love each other with genuine affection. I mean, he doesn't just, he doesn't say like, just tolerate the presence of another person. Um, there's like this take delight in honoring each other. I mean, don't be lazy, like work hard at this, serve the Lord with enthusiasm. There's a, um, there's a leaning in that's necessary here. It's, it, this is not gonna, this is not gonna work just by Christians receding further to the sidelines and, um, and failing to, be proactive like you're you're really calling us forward to lean into this that's right i mean we can think about it um you can go you can go two different directions you can you can lean into it in a way that's really unhealthy um Mm -hmm. that can really be off-putting and and you can also withdraw and and i think both of those are are should really should not be the options we have on the table you mentioned uh romans um i think of uh peter in, in his first letters tells us to set apart uh, Christ is Lord in our hearts and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks us for the reason for the hope that we have, but do this with gentleness and respect. And so if Peter calls us to do that in, in sharing about our faith, 
it seems like a pretty good recipe for anything that we might be uh, sharing or talking about with our neighbors, that the truth matters. Christ is first in our hearts. We're prepared with answers and reason, um, but we do this with gentleness and respect. So I, I think that's exactly right. It's in between uh, the mistake of withdrawing to our little silos and just curating our social media feed to back up what we already believe, and then going in as if we're going to take over uh, the entire country or or think that uh, people who have differences from us don't need to be treated with gentleness or respect. That's so good. We're talking with uh, Micah Watson. Um, he serves at Calvin University. We're talking today about the Civic Hospitality Project. Um, you can um, you can connect with it at civichospitality.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. More with Dr. Watson in just a moment. Did you know that whatever you're experiencing today, whatever you're going through, the suffering, the challenges, the questions you have, God has something to say to you about all of it. We have an ongoing Reading Through the Bible Together series at MyFaithRadio.com, and we're exploring what God says about suffering, truth, and godliness. We're reading the book of 2 Timothy together. Did you know that God has given not a spirit of fear, but that God has given you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind? I mean, how cool is that? It's in 2 Timothy that God's Word says of itself, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that every person um, might be complete and equipped for every good work. So I'm wondering, would you join us in reading the Bible together at MyFaithRadio.com that you might be equipped through God's Word for the good works that He's prepared in advance just for you? And that you might discover that God is with you right now in whatever you're experiencing. The suffering, the challenges, the questions. God's got something to say about all of it. Join us at MyFaithRadio.com in reading the Bible together. This is a special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Michael Watson is with us today. You can find what we're talking about at CivicHospitality.com. Those of you um, who love C.S. Lewis, one of the um, one of the passions uh, that Micah has explored is the political thought of C.S. Lewis. Um, he is a guy who is interested in the intersections of political philosophy and thought and religion and literature and ethics and public policy. So he's our kind of guy, and we're talking with him today about um, what what it might look like for us to have a restoration. Um, not just of like a civics curriculum, but of actually moving into intentionally um, creating spaces and conversations where we can um, we can talk with others with whom we disagree and really cultivate this desire to extend Christian civic hospitality um, to others. So, Dr. Watson, um, maybe lay out the challenge to you know to those who frankly, are still engaged in very unconstructive and ungracious criticism of other people. Like, why why is that not a winning strategy if we want to be the winsome people of God? Well, yeah. Um, what, political scientists have a, have a way of, of even measuring how angry and upset we are with each other. Uh, we can kind of look at different things, and, and they've described a rise of what they call affective polarization. Affective really means how we feel about things. Um, it's a mistake to think that that this is new in one respect. Uh, we we can remember that you know a um, a sitting vice president once shot and killed uh, the first treasury secretary, and they later made a play about it. Uh, so the the idea of people being really upset with each other goes way back in our country's history. At the same time, things have gotten more tense, and we feel that, and we can also see it. 
Um, it's gone from, you know, I disagree with you about politics to I can't imagine being at the same table as you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't I can't believe you you believe this or that you side with this person or candidate. Uh, and so as, as Christians, you know, God is in the business of reconciliation um, and and he reaches out to us. And so we, I think we're called to, to reach out to each other. That can be hard. Um, that can mean, you know, not going with the great um, uh, snarky put down that would get a lot of clicks or likes. Um, it, it can mean extending a gracious hand when it would be so much easier to respond in kind. Um, but I, I think that's what the church has been called to do since since it was founded, which is to lay down even our, um, you know, our lives, but our our pride and our uh, our winning in order to to love and reach out to folks who disagree with us. Um, the, not, the other thing I would, I would just add about that is uh, it, for me, it's very reassuring to think that ultimately God is sovereign. He is you know, we're in sales. He's in management. So our call is to do our best to equip ourselves to reason well, to to um to again stand up for what we believe and and even at times uh make arguments about that but to do so in such a way that those we're interacting with even if they're not persuaded will say oh yeah i can see where you're coming from or i can i can respect you a little bit more after this conversation at least we want to give them the opportunity to do that if they don't take that opportunity we can say well that's that part's not on us so one of the things that uh, we often say around here, Micah, is we're trying to cultivate the mind of Christ on the matters of the day in order that we can walk our faith out into the world that God so loves and do so in ways that honor Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, speak, speaking the truth, well, knowing the truth, right? And then speaking the truth, um, but doing so in a way that Jesus would recognize himself as you're representing him. It feels like that's some of what you're talking about here. I think that's that's absolutely right. If we... If we trust in our own education or our own training or and all and education's good, training's good, reading's good, but if we think we can do any of this without the example and the power of Jesus, uh, then we're um, you know we're, we're a noisy gong, right? Without without the love of Christ, uh, we we just simply don't have the resources to do this. So as much as we we do rightly talk about classes and curriculum and equipping and all those things which are good, right? We have this we have this resource. We want people to look up. Um, if our our minds and our hearts are not aligned with asking God for help, um, then then it will all come to naught. So I think that's a great uh, a great reminder. Okay, so let's um let's tell people what they're going to find when they go to civichospitality.com. What kinds of resources are there, and who do you imagine is going to make use of this? Yeah, so, so they were originally designed for high school. Uh, teachers in Christian high schools in particular. Uh, there's a set of different resources um, and, and curriculum, like lesson plans, right? So we have a number of different subjects. There is, uh, there's a case study. There's a subject of what does it mean to be human? There's, there's examples of, of from scripture where Jesus himself crosses boundaries. We think about the Jesus's encounter with the woman at the well. Um, you know, when we learn how to drive, we don't learn by just reading the manual. We actually have to get in the car and someone helps us drive. So our curriculum is designed to help students practice these things. And we we think they would apply to, to more than just students. So that while it's designed for high schools, uh, we think people of all ages uh, could, could look at the curricula and, and find some exercises that would be helpful. Um, lots of different examples, case studies. We, For example, you, um, when it comes to politics, we highlight the friendship between uh 
Justice Ginsburg and Justice Scalia, who really couldn't be more different on their judicial or political philosophies, but yet struck a, a friendship. Um, and we think that there's some things we can learn from that. So you visit the site and you will find uh, all sorts of curricula, um, exercises, handouts, all for free. Uh, and we, we think it's really going to be helpful for anyone who, who has the heart to want to do better on these things. So I um I come out of a uh, a family where my mom um was a home ec teacher and then went to work for first Purdue and then for the University of Florida, um, in extension, and you know the extension program in the United States of America was designed to take all of this research that was done, um, at these land grant universities and press it out into the public in ways that you know people on living in farms and in communities. Um, and so then we have the advent of 4-H and, and other great programs through which all of that research is pressed out into real life. I feel like that's a little bit of what you're doing now, um, where Calvin and others are, you know, you guys are doing the hard work, but you are now offering it back to those of us um, who, you know, aren't on a university campus and never will be. But we're the ones who've got kids at our kitchen tables and and maybe we could draw together some kids at our church or even in our neighborhood and have these kinds of conversations. Is this kind of like an extension program? Yeah, I had not I had not thought about it that way, but I think that as you put it that way, that that seems to me that seems to me right. Um, there are some great advantages that we have with you know just today with technology, um, with with taking ideas that have been worked on in universities and then uh, and then getting them out there. Um, so we really see ourselves. We are. Uh, part of the church, um, just broadly, the church universal, and we also are part of a particular church here at Calvin, and we see ourselves as wanting to to equip and to come alongside. We we need it ourselves. It's not like we've got it all figured out, but uh, yeah, I think that is that is right. We we hope that people will be able to use this as a resource, um, give us feedback on things that work and things that could be better, uh, and then moving forward, Lord willing, that the church, in a modest way, through you know, something we've contributed to, will be a little bit better about being salt and light in a pretty divisive, polarized uh, society. That's so good. Um, thank you so much. What a delight to um, to make your acquaintance. I hope you'll come back. Um, we appreciate uh, the conversation today, and we love what you're doing. CivicHospitality.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. Hey, we all know people, and you may be one today, who you just feel like you're just holding on. You um, you really have lost sense of the, the joy of walking with the Lord. Sometimes God seems silent or slow or unfair or distant or even wrong. Um, maybe you feel like God isn't even out there. I mean, the state of things in the world or your own experience of suffering or the struggles you're in the midst of. Um, have you ever had a sense that you know, God was absent. Adam Mabry uh, spends time talking with us about when God seems gone. He takes a look at Habakkuk, Job, David, and Jesus, and he reflects on his own experience of very real suffering. And he examines the art of lament. Like, what does it actually look like? And what does it sound like to cry out to God in a place of, yes, desperation, but from a place of faith and hope? So if you need some practical suggestions on how to keep the faith, even in times of darkness and doubt, 
Um, Adam Mabry uh, is a wonderful guide. The book is When God Seems Gone, and we do have copies to give away today. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. You are listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is a special edition, and we're revisiting the conversation we had with Adam Mabry. Again, we have, we have copies to give away today of When God Seems Gone. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. This is a special Best of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. Joining us now, Adam Mabry. Adam is a pastor in Boston, Massachusetts of a growing diverse church. He's passionately committed to bringing the truth, grace, and changing power of the gospel for the glory of God and the good of all people. He is joining us today as the author of a a brand new book, When God Seems Gone, Finding Hope When Nothing Makes Sense. Adam, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, I mean, you know, this book's been on the street like two days. So what are you already hearing from, you know, your friends, neighbors, colleagues, people who have already been blessed by it? Yeah, well, what I'm hearing so far is that uh, it's really refreshing for someone to finally name uh, an experience that a lot of us have, but maybe it feels like it's not okay to talk about that, you know, when you, you know, like in your belief system, theologically, God's there, but it feels as though he's not. What do you do in that space? And so that that idea resonates, that experience resonates with a lot of people, and I'm encouraged that uh, I can maybe help them. I love that. So um, that, you know, that already speaks to the motivation to write this. There's just so many things that we don't talk about. We think it's not okay to talk about as Christians. Like, is it okay for me to wonder whether or not God is paying attention, whether or not God's present, whether or not God cares? Um we know, like theologically, right, God is present. God promises to never leave us or forsake us. So why do you think it sometimes feels like God is silent, distant, or even absent? Yeah, well, there's a really simple reason, and then there's a really, really complex. So the simple reason is sin. So uh, I, I say, you know, sort of in the intro of the book, like, if, if we're just flagrantly in sin, it probably shouldn't surprise us that God feels far away any more than, mm. you know, if I were, like, being horrible to my wife and she didn't want to go on a date, like, that shouldn't really surprise me. Um, so that's a simple reason. Um, but the more complex and textured reason is uh, God's moments of sovereign silence or sovereign distance, um, and moments where he appears to be working angles and doing things that he's just simply not letting us in on. Uh, where where we've got to trust him. And so in the book, I walk through experiences that like Habakkuk had or, um, you know, Elijah post Mount Carmel or you know, even Jesus in the garden. And what 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 we do when we have the experience that God feels far away, because it can be really torturous to know that he's present, but to feel like he's absent. And in our day and age, our, our feelings are so central um, for probably much more for worse than for better. Our feelings are so central to how we understand the world around us. And so when our feelings are sort of, uh, you know, telling us, well, God's not there. That can, that can lead to a real crisis for me. And so this book is a call back to the practice of lament and uh, figuring out how to take my cruddy experiences and bring them to a God faithfully who I know can understand and help them. Yeah, that's um, that is really the crux of it. And um, the the practice of lament, the invitation to lament um, and to 
be honest with God. I want to I want to plumb that next, Adam. Um, but let me just remind everybody, we're talking with Adam Mabry. The book is When God Seems Gone, Finding Hope When Nothing Makes Sense. You can connect directly with Adam at adammabry.org. Um, let's talk about lament. Um, let's talk about the need to lament, the honesty of lament, um, and, and maybe address like those who think, oh, that can't be right. Like, that can't be right to just be that honest with God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, our culture sort of has a mimic, a uh, false version of this, where you just sort of speak your truth. And uh, what it basically is, is complaining. Um, and so faithful Christians will look at people complaining about stuff and go, well, I'm not supposed to complain. And that's true. We're not. But <clears throat> because we want to not complain, we tend to avoid this practice of lament. And lament is when I take my 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 pain um, and my problem to God and I, I leave it with him. Um, you know, I say, God, my situation's terrible. I don't understand, you know, this sickness or, or why the money's not there or what's going on in my marriage. And I hate it and it hurts and I don't understand. But you end this with, but I trust you. I, I, I'm, I'm complaining. To, I'm, I'm bringing my, my, my problem, my complaint, my pain up to the one who I know can deal with it, even though, man, I don't have a clue even where you're at. Right now. Um, the, the nature of lament is that it's worshipful because we we're presuming that God cares about and can do something about our pain. We're talking with Adam Mabry. He's a pastor. He's also the author of When God Seems Gone. Um, it's important, Adam. I mean, you you point this out over and over again, but I think it 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 certainly bears repeating here. Like this is about knowing who God is, God's character, and then trusting God to be God. Like I, that. I mean, ultimately, I can pray prayers of lament, I can um, feel what I'm feeling, even if it's doubtful and discouraging. Um, it's okay to feel those things because I, I ultimately know who God is, and I can count on God to be God. Um, can you talk with us about the importance of understanding God's character um, and how that helps us yeah. see the reality of our, of our actual circumstance? Yeah, absolutely. You know, modern kind of Western culture preaches a message to us that, you know, we should pretty much live in lives of increasing comfort and, you know, pain-free, um, you know, prosperity. And and Jesus himself pro- promised that we would suffer. Like, that, that's, a, that's a promise nobody puts on a coffee mug or on a tattoo, but he did definitely promise that he would suffer. <laughs> but when he, when we did, we were meant to trust that, you know, he's overcome the world. So we, because he's overcome the world, we can make it. But what we, what he doesn't promise is to explain all of the trillion different things he's doing at any one moment. Um, he, he doesn't promise that, you know, if, you know, when I come to him with my weird diagnosis or, or the pain in my family or something, he doesn't promise to tell me, oh, well, Adam, here's exactly what's going on. Um, in fact, presuming that he would, is a bit blasphemous because we're asking God to explain something that really only he could comprehend. Um, we, we have a, we have a God who's, you know, sovereignly overseeing and running the world and, and doing it for our good and his glory. And so when, when my road for righteousness passes through, you know, death's dark valley and is shadowy, I, I have to understand, I, I won't probably get it. I probably won't get all the little reasons. It's great when God shows us a couple of them and it's really satisfying. Um, but in those moments, that's when we're trusting, okay, no, God, I, because Jesus overcame, I can trust you because if, if God can take the evil and suffering of the cross and bring it into the greatest conceivable good, namely the salvation of all 
called and we trust Christ, then I think he can manage, you know, my being fired or my, um, you know, my, my wayward child or my difficulty that I'm walking through. We're talking with Adam Mabry. I'm wondering if you're listening right now and you're like, yeah, I'm having a hard time trusting God with what I'm walking through. Um, love to hear from you so that we can pray for you today. You can always text us 877-933-2484. You can connect with Adam at adammabry.org. The book is When God Seems Gone, Finding Hope When Nothing Makes Sense. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. We'll be right back. Did you know that whatever you're experiencing today, whatever you're going through, the suffering, the challenges, the questions you have, God has something to say to you about all of it. We have an ongoing Reading Through the Bible Together series at MyFaithRadio.com, and we're exploring what God says about suffering, truth, and godliness. We're reading the book of 2 Timothy together. Did you know that God has given not a spirit of fear, but that God has given you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind? I mean, how cool is that? It's in 2 Timothy that God's Word says of itself, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that every person um, might be complete and equipped for every good work. So I'm wondering, would you join us in reading the Bible together at MyFaithRadio.com that you might be equipped through God's Word for the good works that He's prepared in advance just for you? And that you might discover that God is with you right now in whatever you're experiencing, the suffering, the challenges, the questions. God's got something to say about all of it. Join us at MyFaithRadio.com in reading the Bible together. This is a special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Pastor Adam Mabry is here with us. The book is When God Seems Gone. All right, Adam, um, I'm asking this question knowing the answer, but also sensitive to the fact that lots of people listening are now wondering, hey, what is this young guy with, you know, a wonderful family and a vibrant growing ministry? What does this guy know about walking through seasons of darkness or seasons where it seems like God is silent? Yeah. Um, So... This book comes out of really like survival techniques, <laughs> uh, a field manual for for figuring out how to do this. Um, the The specifics of my situation are are somewhat still ongoing and involve people other than me, so I can't be terribly specific. But I can say that my my family, my nuclear family, has um, in, has been enduring a season of intense uh, sickness. Um, uh, particularly, you know, with with a member of our family, and it has taken what you know, basically everything that we thought life would be like and turned it, you know, on its head. Um, and, and that in the midst of, you know, a church that was, was, you know, is growing and, um, but also, you know, even there that struck some headwinds and it all kind of hit at the same time. And it all kind of hit at the same time around, of course, you know, the, the glorious and enjoyable time that 2020 was for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was kind of this like six or seven car pileup, uh, but that moment was kind of the the apex of years of figuring out how to how to get through this. And then, you know, the way feeling really bad that I felt really bad. Uh, I don't know if mm. the enemy does does this to anyone who's listening, but I would feel I would feel bad about my walk with Jesus. Like I don't hear him, I don't feel him. And then I'd hear this accusation, like, yeah, of course you don't, because he doesn't care about you or you know, you're not doing it right. And and so 
figuring out over a period of you know six or seven years how to shake that off and not just shake that off but actually walk in actually overcome uh, in the midst of um, some pretty difficult stuff I, I thought man I, I am not the only person who's done this and uh, mercifully I wrote a, I wrote a very short book because I figured people who are going through like intense pain and suffering don't need a 400 page uh, excursus on you know the theology of uh, God's presence and its real and suffering. This this is not that book. Better men than me have written books like that. Um, this book is simply about how to see that this is a common experience in Scripture, and how from Scripture we can walk through it faithfully. Yeah, the brevity um, is beautiful. Um, when God seems silent, when God seems slow, when God seems unfair, when God disappoints, when God seems wrong. Um, and what will you do when God seems gone? Um, the book is When God Seems Gone, Finding Hope When Nothing Makes Sense. Um, let's speak a word of encouragement, Adam, to those who are listening right now. You know, speak to that person who is feeling like the Lord is not there. They are believing the lies of the accuser who is saying, well, you don't feel it because you're not doing it right, or you don't feel it because God doesn't care. Like, talk to them right now. Yeah, I would just say, my friend, there's truth that is true, even when your heart accuses you that it is not. Uh, the book of First John says, even when our hearts condemn us, God knows everything and he's greater than our hearts. Uh, in, in our in our moment, in our current cultural moment, our, our hearts, we're just conditioned to hear uh, everything that is true from them. And so what I would say is, be honest about those emotions, learn how to take those emotions and recognize them, become self-aware and bring them before the throne in real lament. And just the practice of recognizing them and bringing them before God faithfully will bring relief and actually position you to see God's presence, even in the midst of what feels like. Because what, what God is doing is not just making our lives good here and now. He's forging us and forming us into the kind of people who can inherit the cosmos with us. At the end of the age, he's he's making us the kind of people who can bear the blessings of eternity, and and so even when God seems gone, take heart. He is not. He is not. He is there. And and even in the moment that it's difficult to see or hear where He is, we can have great confidence knowing that He is in fact there. Um, I'm reminded of the psalm that says, "You know, I, I I put my hope in God, you know, like a weaned child with his his mother." Like a weaned child, I'll, I'll take heart. You know, a, a child that's weaned has learned how to know that mom is there, even when mom is not you know, nursing and, and physically a, a present with them, and, and has become okay. And, and my hope is that even in our suffering, we'll become okay, understanding that God is in fact there, even when our hearts are accusing us, he's gone. So good. I love um, the way you talk about being reminded of what the scripture says, right? So the only way that that happens, the only way to be reminded is that it's in my mind at some point to begin with. So maybe um, let's talk about some passages of scripture that you might recommend um, we memorize if we're struggling to see God's goodness um, right now in the midst of our very difficult circumstances. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I, I have drawn so much Joy, uh, from Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. That's a, um, that's a favorite for me because it reminds me of the, of the actual story of the gospel. Jesus has, in fact, saved me by grace, and he's, and he's made me into this you know, masterpiece that's uh, whereby I'm, I'm designed to do good, uh, good works. Um, of course, the, uh, 
the psalm that I'm uh, referring to there is Psalm 131. Uh, psalm 131, uh, 1, 2, and 3 is fantastic because it starts by saying, you know, Lord, my heart isn't lifted up. My Sometimes when we get uppity at God, it's because we're being proud. And so it reminds us, okay, no, I'm going to be humble. I'm going to trust you there. Um, and I'm going to still and quiet my soul. And it reminds me that stilling and quieting my soul is not just God's responsibility. It's mine. Um, and it orients my heart toward him uh, forevermore. And then, you know, I would say the stories of, you know, the whole book of Habakkuk uh, is, is the story of a guy who'd been just crying out to God for his nation. And it took God what it seems like it took God a while to get back to him. And then the, the answer that he got probably wasn't the answer that he wanted. Um, you know, Elijah this just the life of Elijah and the emotional highs and lows, uh, David, uh, Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. These are moments where we have to remember that like, these are real things. They're not, they're not in there just to make us feel like they're real things. They're, they are real moments, real pain, real suffering that real men of God trusted God through. And knowing that and knowing that the same Holy spirit that raised Christ was there within in the garden uh, is powerful stuff to be reminded of when, you know, when you're, crying in a hospital room or when, you know, you're reading the text message that just you know changed your life or something terrible happened. Um, that th- those are the places that uh, I hope will be the common, common walking paths of people when, uh, when God seems gone. I think our walk off Adam will be um, to simply read Ephesians two, one through 10 um, and to say, thank you to you and to speak blessing over you and your family and your congregation your ministry and your work. Um, Thank you for joining us today here on Mornings with Carmen. Adam Mabry, you can find him at adammabry.org. The book is When God Seems Gone, Finding Hope When Nothing Makes Sense. Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages... He might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Hey, if you enjoyed that conversation with Adam Mabry and you think that um, having a copy of that book would be a blessing and benefit to you, um, we want you to text the word book to 877-933-2484. Again, the book is When God Seems Gone. So have you ever um, been in the middle of a conversation and thought to yourself, oh my goodness, how would I respond to that? (laughs) What would I do if I were sitting there and this were taking place? So here's what uh, my friend conveyed to me. So my friend is in a conversation with a couple. They are not Christians. 
They've all known each other, other since college, and now they are all parents of kids in high school and college. So that's the context. And my friend, you know, casually asks of the other couple, so what are your boys doing this summer? And the answer to the one who's in college and is this, like, super high achiever, he's, like, doing all these amazing things, and um, and and his work sounds really interesting. And so she says of the other one, all right, well, you know, and, and where's he working and what's he doing? And I, I might have missed that. And the parent says, oh, he's selling fake IDs. He's well, he's the middleman. I mean, he's not selling the fake IDs. They, they come from China. He gets them in the mail and then the kids come by and they pay him cash. It's quite the racket. He's making more money than he could ever make in any other summer job. And, it, and well, you know, it's tax free and he's got time to work out and well, pretty much do whatever he wants to do these days. <laughs> I mean, just hit the pause button. Like, what would you say? What would you do? How would you respond? Um, I mean, where do you even begin? Friends, this is the world we're living in. This is happening now. Seemingly good people are allowing very bad things to happen in their homes under their noses, and they don't see the moral problem with it. And that's because they don't see the distinction between freedom and license. So spend some time today thinking about the difference between freedom and license and where responsibility comes into all of that for Christians in the world today. Have a great day and God bless. I'm Carmen LeBurge. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Remember, it's your prayerful and faithful financial support that makes both the live show and the podcast available. Make your gift at MyFaithRadio.com.